Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Apostle Debbie. <laughs> I've just dropped there. <laughs> Hi, welcome. <laughs> you don't want that? Okay. Amazing wife, Debbie. Um, and pastor. Hey, amazing to be here today. Um, what an incredible worship uh, service we had. I feel like that was, that was church right there. That's what it's all about, coming to the house of the Lord and worshipping. Um, I just uh, had to pop home. I don't usually use props, but mid-service I uh, realised I'd forgotten my props, so I, I uh, just drove home got, and got it, so that was good. Um, love bedtimes, bedtimes with the boys and the girls and our family. Um, we have, we always, there's always something going on at bedtime. Um, generally a lot calmer and easier these days. We're just kind of like, the aim is really just settling one now. We've got five children and our nine-year-old Josiah, he's always got some kind of question at, at uh, bedtime. Last night was something around, uh, so God created the earth, when did he create the stars? And so I was like, well, we had this really cool conversation about God being the Alpha and the Omega and the beginning of the end. And I went and got a ruler and said, you know, like, that's the start of time and that's the end. But God lives outside of time. And he was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Just amazing. And I was like, that's enough for the night for you. And then it was cool. I had a text from Kerry and uh, she was saying she'd had a chat with Seth at bedtime and and he was, Seth was asking why there was no armor of God for the shins. And he said that there should be shin pads of glory. Shin pads of glory. So if you need some glory below your knees, take the shin pads of glory. So good. I'm going to talk about a younger brother here today uh, in, my, in the Word. So Lord, we just, uh, we just thank you for your Word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's accurate, it divides, it uh, separates, it brings revelation. And we just thank you for your revelation of your word to our hearts this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to jump in. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a background on a real character in the Old Testament initially, and his name is Jacob. Everyone say Jacob. And uh, we'll get a little bit of clarity here from Hebrews 11 about uh, the, the lineage that Jacob sat in. And it says here in verse 9, By faith he, that's Abraham, lived as an alien in a land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Everyone just say fellow heirs of the same promise. Fellow heirs of the same promise promise. So these guys are the patriarchs of our faith. We've got Abraham. Uh, he's the father. He's the granddad. There's Isaac and, and the son Jacob. And they're all celebrated as the patriarchs of our faith. And, and so Abraham being the, the granddad, and, and then Isaac was the father of Jacob. So, so Jacob, he had some really big shoes to fill. I don't know if you've been a younger brother or a younger sister or, or someone in a family where you're like looking around to people or maybe in your world and you're like, man, 
I've got to step into something new. I've got to step into some big shoes here. I've got some expectations, and maybe you've got some expectations as you on yourself as you're stepping into a, a new a new year at the moment. And 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 Abraham was a big deal because you know God had said to him in Genesis 22, He says, you know, surely I'll make you a, a, a bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and 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 you know you look at at the lives of of Jacob's dad and, and of his granddad and they they devoted their lives to God they had pursued their call and Jacob was the next in line to step into the lineage of this faith family this environment for him and and when you think of his, his great-granddad, Abraham, you know, God said to Abraham, you know, go. And, and, and Abraham went. And, and Isaac, he was, he was a compliant child. You know, remember Isaac? He was like, well, I'm willing for my dad to sacrifice my life. And so Isaac, he was like a pretty willing candidate as well to just kind of follow God and do whatever he said. And, you know, they would be the guys that would come early to church and set up all the chairs and, and they'd be at the prayer time and they would even take the tea towels home after the service to wash them. So Jacob was like, how could I even be as spiritual as my parents? But Jacob, he was probably the guy that was more interested in when the service was going to be over. <laughs> his report cards may have read you know natural leader possesses great potential but has no focus steals lunches oh there's a bit of a backstory there and the bible shows us though that jacob turned his family upside down and inside out like he was a storm in a teacup so to speak if his family was a teacup he was that storm he was dissatisfied with what he had um, somehow he managed to capture the heart of his mother and then with her help he undermined his brother's birthright and stole the, his his father's blessing to gain an inheritance so jacob Earn the name Deceiver. It's not a nice label, you know, but that's what, it, that's what he had. And Supplanter, meaning one who wrongfully or illegally seizes power and holds the place of another. So Jacob had this incredible inner conflict going on in his life you know, the, the desire for significance and then the reality of his circumstances. Can anyone relate to that? You're like, man, I've, I feel like God said some things around my life, and I'm, but here I am. But here I am in this place. And, and I'm going to look at two really powerful transformational moments in Jacob's life. We're just going to jump into those scriptures. Well, well. Jacob essentially is on the way to, to his, his legacy, on the way to stepping into his destiny. But he has a long time of God out working on his character and working in his heart. Who knows that our character cradles the call of God? 
And unless our character is willing to be bent and shaped and, and pruned, are we? You know, we're actually going to be just living with potential, but it's going to be unfulfilled. So the first one, the first encounter that Jacob had, uh, this took place after Jacob stole his brother's blessing. And then he was sent, he was like banished from his, his uh, parents' place. And, he, and he, was, he was going, well, they sent him to his uncle's place, actually. And he was walking away from all the familiar, all the things of life, where he had grown up, his location. He was walking into the wilderness. There was no Google Maps, no street side view. He didn't really know what it was going to look like. And then one, on his way in the desert, he lay down to sleep. And he had a God dream. And I want to read this. I know we've, a lot of you guys know the scripture, but it's a beautiful passage. And it says this in Genesis 28, verse 12. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth. With its top reaching up to heaven and the angels of God were ascending. They were going up and then they were descending and they were going down. There above it stood, there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. And when Jacob, um, verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. You know, this is an amazing encounter because suddenly Jacob in a wilderness, a man of the flesh, a man of just who's doing things to climbing on people, trying to get up the ladder, so to speak. And he has a dream, an open, well, uh, while well, he's asleep of, a, of heaven's ladder, of, of where he really needs to climb. And, and before this moment, it was like Jacob only saw the world with his physical eyes. And God is opening up Jacob's eyes to the supernatural realm here. That there's a revelation for him that heaven is connected with earth and is attending to earth. There are angels on mission. And God is saying to Jacob, hey, despite yourself, <laughs> you belong to this realm. There's, a, there's something I'm showing you here in regards to your inheritance and your legacy. You know, you, meet, you, you know in that scripture, God immediately, I'm the God of your father Abraham. And, and he's showing him a glimpse into what is, where his legacy is coming from. And he's saying you're included in this spiritual inheritance. And, and through your life, this, this legacy is going to shape the world. And, you know, 1,800 years later, Jesus refers to this exact moment when he's calling Nathaniel, one of his disciples, to follow him. And he said this to Nathaniel in John 1.51. He said, You'll see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And so Jesus is actually making a massive statement here. He's claiming that Jacob, Jacob's ladder would be fulfilled within himself. 
that he would be the fulfillment and that he would be the way, the truth and the life. He would be the gateway, the ladder between heaven and earth, that he would be a place of meeting between God and man. He would be a crossroads, so to speak, a place of exchange where heaven meets earth, that God's presence and power would flow through him. So Jacob's ladder is actually a type of Christ. And, and I think at this moment, Jacob is beginning to understand that he needs to look at life in a new way. And I love what Jesus, uh, what Jesus and Debbie, uh, what Debbie pulled out this morning when she was talking about turn your eyes upon Jesus. That beautiful song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. And maybe uh, today... You know, we need a fresh perspective of how close heaven is, of how accessible heaven is. And even the other part of this is that Jacob's in a wilderness and it all looks the same. And yet he discovers Jesus right there in the landscape that looks the same. You know, it's like the same old desert. And maybe you're having a bit of a, like, is it going to be a same old year? Well, let's say no. Let's believe that right here, right in this place, you're going to be going, oh, my gosh, surely I didn't realize this is the house of the Lord, and I did not know it. I didn't know it. I didn't know right now. I didn't know that he could be this close. I didn't know that I could feel this new. I didn't know that I could see that I have a future plan and that God has got a purpose for my life. And it was about what Jacob saw. And that's that connected him with his inheritance. In 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, I love this. When Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. All, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. If you see him, you'll become like him. If you see him, you'll become like him. The question is, where are you spending your time looking to for a reference point of who you are? Because if Jesus says, if you see me, and you'll become like me, then the opposite is true. If you're not spending any time looking <laughs> into his face, into his word, then it's highly likely, according to the maths, <laughs> that we're not going to be transformed into his likeness. Because this world, like we've, we say this, is so distracting. Social media is so distracting. The news is so distracting. And that, that, those pools, that place that we look into, that is only clouded with the perspective of this world. That you're not going to find the truth about who you are. You're not going to be transformed into Jesus' likeness by looking at a screen. You just... You're just not. And I just want to put it out there. Maybe someone needs to just fast so social media from, for a couple of weeks. Just make a break. Make a change. Go on. <laughs> Didn't Michael Jackson say something like that? Make a change. Oh. 
Because that's what social media is doing to you. It's hurting you. It's owing you. And Jesus is just like, look into my face. Look into my face and you will see life in a different way. And I love the second part of that verse. It says, all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Because Humanity is looking for innocence, isn't it? Like this world is looking to be justified, vindicated, and separated from their guilt. But Jesus is the only way that we can find true purification. In Romans 8, 5 to 6, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You know, there is a war for what you are looking at. And you belong in the presence of Jesus. The second encounter moment for Jacob, 20 years pass. Now Jacob is in a desperate situation. He's fearful for his life. He's done a lot of growing as well. He's on a road with his whole family, his wives, his children, his donkey, his llama, his camels. And, and he's about to confront his older brother Esau, who, who he betrayed, who he hasn't seen. And Jacob is very afraid about how this meeting is going to turn out. And then there's this another mind-bending passage of Scripture where the Bible says that Jacob physically wrestled with God all night. And it says this in Genesis 32, 25 to 28. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what's your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. It's amazing. In this wrestle, this, this, this moment is almost a, a moment that describes Jacob's life. <laughs> Wrestling to become who he was called to be. And in, this, in the pinnacle of this wrestle, he, he has an encounter a physical wrestle with, with God. And in that wrestle, he is redefined and renamed. He went from Jacob, the deceiver, and supplanter to Israel, the prince of God, and, to, and really to a father of a nation as well. And in this, in this moment, it's like God saying to Jacob, you belong to this new identity. This is who you really are. This is who you've been created to be. The new you is here. The new you is, you, is Israel. Here's a, here's a thought. That grace has a memory that predates your birth. Grace has a memory that predates your birth. This is... Um, my son Josiah's foam plane. That's the thing I ran home to get between uh, at the end of worship. <laughs> it's a little foam plane. And uh, 
when we were coming back from holiday a few weeks ago, it was just sitting in the car and it had the sun on it all day. Really hot spot. And the whole thing, I kid you not, curled up and got distorted. And when we put unpacked the car, I was like, oh, that's the end of that plane. So I actually, I just threw it out the back door. I thought I'll put it in the bin once I've done all the packing and all that. And a couple of days went by and I looked at it and there it was a bit sort of bent still. I was like, no, that's still worthy of the bin. And then I went, and then a, a couple of days later, I went to pick it up to throw it in the bin. And it had seemingly miraculously straightened itself out. And it's because this plane is created by tiny foam lumps <laughs> and this foam has got a really really powerful memory it's got a powerful memory it was so powerful that the memory of this foam overcame the distortion of of its environment and all the pressure that the heat put on it and it bent it and all that and then somehow it resurrected itself back to its original intention. I don't know if it flies. They haven't flown it since, so I should just try. Should we just fly it? You guys right for, up for a catch? There we go. And when I picked the, picked the plane, up, plane up, I it was like the Holy Spirit said to me, my grace is like this plane. It has a really, really long memory. Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. Oh, I love this passage. I'm swallowing for effect. <clears throat> Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Man, every spirit. No one's disqualified. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Oh man, that is amazing. So grateful for Jesus. So good. In love, he predestined us for adoption into sonship or daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. I want to just frame this thought for you that grace reaches beyond your childhood. Grace reaches beyond your birth. Grace reaches beyond your imperfections. Grace reaches beyond every label that's been put on your life. Grace reaches beyond just last year, your regrets of your life. Grace reaches right back to the creation of this world where he created you, where he knew you for a purpose. We have formed you for such a time as this and right back to the origins of the Father's original intention for your lives. That's how good Jesus is. That's how good grace is. And grace draws us to the Father's heart. Grace is not limited by who you think you are or were. Grace draws you towards your true self. And grace draws you towards the skies as well. I just want to, you know, 
we have these four kind of purpose statements here at Thrive. Belong. Everyone belongs. Even belonging before believing. <laughs> Everyone belongs to the family. Be loved. You know, we are, we are children of God and we are his beloved. We're established in his love, Ephesians 3.17. Become, you know, we're on a road of discipleship. We're on a journey to becoming who we are and then to be the light. Like that's where, that's where it gets real, you know, like that's where we are exposing the rawness of the light of Christ to the world. But I'm just going to come right back to belong because I just want to tell everyone today that you belong. You belong in the story of God. You belong in the heart of God. You belong in the family of God. You belong in your life and in your skin. And, and the Father of heavenly lights has got a name for you. He's got a name for you, and your parents gave you a name, and that's maybe you love your name, and that's awesome. But you're, you've got a heavenly name because he, crea he chose you before the creation of the world. You belong. And the father saw Jacob, and they saw, he saw who he would become on the other side of grace. And in the same way, he sees who we are through, through the covering of Jesus Christ on the other side of grace. And maybe you look at yourself in the mirror, and you see you, but God's looking right back at you, and he's seeing a whole lot more than what you're seeing about yourself. You know, and then, and from that moment, I'm going to need to just really boost. I got too much to say. Jacob stepped in from that moment. He really stepped into the legacy of his grandfather Abraham. And I just want to, I want to encourage everyone here today that that you have a legacy. You have a legacy that you're a part of. You have a legacy to step into. And it's not about comparing yourself about with those who went before you. It's about you going, here I am, Lord. Send me. I was made for this moment. And when I was reading through Genesis in January, I just felt a burden for the Jacobs, specifically for those who are living in the footsteps of your parents, older siblings. And God's just wanting to awaken your faith and call you out in your own identity. And he wants to call you out and say, you're valuable. You know, I want to say, we need you. We need you as you are. In um, December, I have shared this word uh, in our, in our um, Christmas Eve service, but I want, to re I want to share this here again. I sat down and I asked God anyway in December for a word for 2022. It was right before a staff meeting, actually. I was like... Well, I want to encourage the team with a, with a word. <laughs> and I immediately got the word resurgence. I received this word resurgence, and I just knew it was a God word. And I checked out what it says in the dictionary, and it says an increase or revival after a period of little activity, popularity, or occurrence. A resurgence of interest in religion. A resurgence is a point where an underground stream reappears at the surface to become a surface stream. And I'm just believing right now for some people, we're believing, not just me, we're believing as a team here for people 
who have been treasuring something hidden in the last season. And maybe you feel like you're carrying a call on your life. You're carrying a prophetic promise in your heart. And God wants to bring a manifestation of that, of that dream. It's more than a dream because it's actually got origins in heavenly realms. Habakkuk 2 verse 3 says this, For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. You know, God had an appointed time for Christ to come to this world. What preceded that were 400 years of prophetic absence and seeming wilderness. But there was an appointed time. And I want to just tell someone today, there is an appointment. You have an appointment. You have an appointed time. There will be a resurgence of the presence of God and the fulfillment of the call on your life. I want to finish with this scripture this morning. And this is a few years go by again. And, and it says this in Genesis 35. Then God said to Jacob, now go up at once to Bethel and live there. And this is the place where Jacob had, had that encounter with the ladder and the angels. Make an altar there to God who appeared to you when, he fled, when you fled from your brother Esau. So here's God saying, go back to that place of meeting. Go back to that vision. Go back to that encounter. I met you at that place, but now I want to establish you in that place. I want my legacy to be founded in that location. You belong in that location. Then it says, so Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of your pagan idols, purify yourselves, and put on clean clothing. I want to encourage some people to, to stand up and go up to the house of the Lord today. Let's just stand right now in this moment. Let's just stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This, um, this last scripture says, So David told everyone in his household, Get rid of your pagan idols. Don't be defined by what the world celebrates. Purify yourselves. Set yourselves apart. You're called to live different. You're not called to be another reflection of what the world looks like. You're called to be set apart. Change your clothes. <laughs> you have a new covering, and it's the covering of righteousness. That's, that's what it means to go up to the house of the Lord. This is, this is a, a time of sanctification. As Jacob calls his whole family, come on up to the house of the Lord. Come up to the place of encounter with me. Come up, but sanctify yourself as you come. Get rid of, set yourself apart, put on new clothing, because we're going to establish a mighty work for the king in this place. We're going to establish something incredible that is going to affect the generations that go beyond us.